Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to another exciting episode of the Peristyle Podcast. This is a Trojan Blast recruiting edition of the Peristyle Podcast, talking all about USC football recruiting. We are back after a couple-week hiatus where Gerard and I were running all over the globe, trying to track down everything that's going on with USC recruiting. So we have Gerard Martinez on the show joining us. He is back from San Antonio, Texas for the U.S. Army All-American Bowl. Lots of recruiting scoop from down there. Gerard, how you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. But you know what this show really needs? It needs sound effects because evidently, USC recruiting, the sky's falling. Do you have a sound effect for that, Ryan? Woo! Bong. No, I don't. <laughs> Maybe I can insert one of those in later. Yeah, I agree. We do have some questions. There's some gloom and doom out there, There's Gerard. There's gloom and doom. <laughs> There's the little chicken littles out there, and they're running for their lives. Uh, well, why don't we start with one of those? Let's do that. So that'll be our first question of the day. We're going to go to the voicemail. Uh, if you have questions for us, we love getting them on the podcast. It's uh, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. Or you can call us, 206-888-6755. Send us a voicemail, and we will play it on the air just like this one. Hey, Ryan. It's Miguel. I got a question for Gerard. Um, what's going on with SC right now? Like, the offseason, it's not going anything good. I mean, recruiting, we're getting a uh, beat for McCarty. Um, there's transfers, Prater, Carlisle. I'm, I'm also hearing that there might be other transfers. Uh, we have seven spots to fill, uh, so we can make the 15 that we could take this year. Not sure we get it done. I mean, like, there's no USC leans right now so i want to get your thoughts on that um and see what's going on with the sc staff thank you very much and fight on wow <laughs> <laughs> they're getting beat on mccarthy which they already got beat on mccarthy so we could talk about that let's let's wrestle that monster well we have uh, we have a bunch of maybe to keep it general because we have a whole bunch of mccarthy questions too well how about we just kill it all with one uh, stone here how about we just uh we go rapid fire by killing it with one stone well, here, and, well uh, we have one more voicemail for a mccarthy question you want me to play that one and then we can you can get into it is that cool wow okay yeah so we just people can hear some of the questions and then i'll i'll uh, i'll mention the names of other people that asked McCarthy well, Ryan, question. there's hardly anything good going on with USC recruiting. Right I know. Now. we got to make it quick because you just never know. All right, here's the here's the other McCarthy question. Hi, my name is Francisco Stoga. This uh, question is for Gerard Martinez. I'm wondering if uh, since uh, with McCarthy commit to Cal, if it's uh, early too late to uh, him to sign on February 1st with the USC. Um, and also, what happened? Why did he sign with them? I know... Uh, uh, the wide receiver Jordan, uh, I'm saying the name right, Jordan Perkins, who's the one that kind of uh, kind of pushed him towards Cal. But uh, I'm not sure if uh, maybe the coaches maybe tried too hard with them. But uh, anyways, uh, thank you very much. Love your show. Wow, SC fans sound like they're walking the plank this week. <laughs> is it that bad? Uh, is it that bad, Gerard? It sounds that bad, doesn't it? Oh, oh no, what's going to happen with USC recruiting? Well, first and foremost, let's get to Ellis McCarthy and, and talk about the big news coming out of the Army All-American game. Uh, 6'5", 315-pound, five-star defensive tackle, commits to Cal on national television. And, um, you know, I've... Uh, Got quite a few sources on Ellis McCarthy and, um, you know, know his family quite well and uh, had a long talk uh, with his father. And, you know, I'm not going to get into the specifics about what was said, but, um, you know, having kind of tapped a few different sources, you know, the original thought coming out of San Antonio was that 
this commitment to Cal was not going to stick. Uh, a lot of people kind of felt like, you know, he got caught up in the peer pressure. Uh, Jordan Payton, one of those players that was committed to USC long ago, was actually the first commit of the 2012 class, uh, if you can remember. Um, but he uh, more or less was kind of pushed out of this class. I think what happened with Jordan Payton was Jordan wanted to take his visits. He wanted to enjoy the process. Um, he's a kid that likes a lot of attention, and USC was just not comfortable with that. They didn't want any drama towards the end of signing day. And they felt like maybe Jordan Payton was going to be a guy that could create some drama. So it became a little bit of an ultimatum, you know, take your visits early or don't take them at all. And I think Jordan just kind of was uh, very distrustful of that and wasn't sure of his place within the recruiting class. So they parted ways. It was mutual and I think beneficial for both parties. Uh, Jordan Payton is definitely talking bad about USC. I uh, heard that from a few people behind the scenes. He's, you know, uh, kind of got maybe a little bit of a, a grudge, a little bit against USC, and um, you know, definitely with McCarthy and uh, with some of the other players. Uh, you know, Kevon Seymour. Um, there was a lot of kind of back and forth between the USC commits and the Cal commits at the Army All-American game. Um, but at the end of the day, I think what it comes down to is the profile of the recruit and. I thought originally, you know, I said, ah, this is this this Cal commitment is not going to stick. I don't think he's going to go to Cal. Um, I'm kind of backtracking on that a little bit. Uh, I think he's not going to USC. I think that the reasons he committed to Cal uh, are reasons that really mean that he doesn't really going to have interest in USC, and I just don't think his parents um, have much interest in him going to USC. USC is a very fast-paced, very competitive football environment. You have to really want to go to USC to succeed at USC. You can't be persuaded to go to USC. And even though these coaches do a good job of going out there and selling USC, the guys who succeed, the guys who come in as five stars and leave as five stars, meaning they go to the NFL draft, are guys that have that real competitive spirit. They want to be in a fast-paced, go, go, go. It's the city. It's, uh, it's live. I mean, USC is just a program that is all about motion. And um, I don't think Ellis McCarthy wants that in a college. I think that he wants to go somewhere where it's a little more low-key. Um, he's not going to have a lot of attention. Um, there may not be as much pressure for him to, to play early on. Um, you know, Cal can do that. It's much easier just to slip into Cal right now uh, as, a, as a freshman and make an impact and be a guy than it is at USC. Just flat out. It's just the way it goes. I mean, Cal has not had a very good football program for a number of years here. So, uh, speaking of facts, I think that this is something that kind of worked itself out. And I know it sounds kind of, um, you know, like a, a means to an end here. You know, the, the guys that USC doesn't get are the guys that, at the end of the day, probably wouldn't be successful at USC. It's not necessarily like that because I, I think with the Anthony Thomas, um, I think, you know, USC definitely could have used him uh, as a corner last year and especially his ability to kick, re return kicks. Um, I think with him, uh, it was just uh, kind of a personal choice to go away from USC, and there was a lot of weird, mysterious things that went along with that choice at the last minute, and it's kind of, I think, one of those things that you've talked to some of the Oregon writers up there, they don't know why he picked Oregon, and so, you know, that's kind of, a, I think, a different scenario and a different situation. I think with this one, Ellis McCarthy, um, having to talk to some people, I, 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 like I said, originally thought, you know, this is going to come down to UCLA and USC. Now, I think it's going to come down to Cal and UCLA. And so I, I, I just don't think the he's going to end up at USC. Yeah. What is that, Ryan? The sky is falling. The sky is falling, yes. The sky has fallen and it's done. It's over with. Pick up the pieces and move on. Um, USC does have some leans. They do have some kids that are silently committed as we speak, but we can't talk about that. And, and promoting silent commitments isn't really smart because guess what? Ellis McCarthy at one point was a silent commitment to USC. <gasps> oh, my goodness. I let the cat out of the bag. You but did. I can now because I don't think he's going to end up at USC. So, um, you know, silent commitments don't really mean anything nowadays, and, and leans don't really mean anything nowadays because even publicly – Ellis McCarthy said that USC leaned uh, the week before he went down for the Army All-American game. So, again, you know, that it doesn't, you know, we can get all pumped up and we can sit here and promote 
oh, well, USC leads for this kid, and USC's a lock for this kid. But at the end of the day, recruiting is recruiting. And so just because that's not something that um, – you know, you're going to see in every article and is going to be pushed out there. Uh, certainly doesn't mean that the USC is not in a good place in terms of recruiting. Because they are in a very good place. And they're going to have a huge weekend this weekend, January 13th, uh, with kids coming from all over the map to officially visit USC. Um, as far as I know, Jack Banner, 6'9", 310-pound, offensive tackle from Lakewood, High school, uh, a guy who's a four-star who played throughout the week, more like a five-star at the Army All-American Bowl. Uh, he's going to be making his way down to USC for an official visit. USC's in a very good spot for him. They're going to bring in the number one corner in the nation, Tracy Howard, who is probably a little more of a long shot than Banner. In fact, he's a lot more of a long shot than Banner uh, in terms of uh, looking at USC. But they're going to bring him in. They're going to try to give him something to think about. You know, LSU looked pretty bad in the national championship game. He likes LSU. A lot of people feel like LSU is actually the school leads for. We'll see if USC can gain some traction on him. Um, you're going to have uh, Stephon Diggs, uh, one of the top wide receivers in the nation, five-star, uh, was, again, another guy that stood out for the East team in the Army All-American game. He's going to come in for an official visit. We've seen some transfers for USC. That's going to open up some spots for some more kids. You know, at the end of the day, it, you know, you, you kind of have to take losses with things that work themselves out. You have two different types of losses. You have the losses that are misses, and then you have the losses that are better for the program. And at the end of the day, you have to look at this rationally and see how are they going to get to this 75. I think a loss is Amir Carlisle. I think Amir Carlisle was a tremendous addition, not only on the field for USC, but really off the field. And he was a young man that worked hard. He was smart. He was low maintenance. He was a good teammate. You know, what happened with that situation? As far as we know, he just wanted to get closer to his dad, who's working at Purdue. Why he goes to Notre Dame and not Purdue, I don't know. I don't have the answers for everything. But that, in, in, in my opinion, is a loss. You know, as a running back that I think, um, you know, could play for USC and, and, and make an impact for USC. And, you know, they're going to need a running back that can do that here in the future. Whether it's going to come in this class or not, it's pretty late in the game. They've got to find that guy. So we'll see how that shakes out. Uh, then you got a guy like Kyle Prater. Kyle Prater, very, very talented player. We've talked about him many times on the regular podcast as well as on the live show. Tremendous talent but just couldn't really seem to get it done at USC in terms of being a guy that could go out there and use his size and, uh, and, and be a guy that can make an impact for USC. And obviously he felt like, you know what, I, I'm better off going close to home. I'm just not going to be able to compete with these guys that they're bringing in. And so that, you know, again, kind of worked itself out more than it was a whiff. And the same thing goes with the recruiting process and some of these guys are bringing in. I think if Ellis McCarthy picks Cal, I think you start to wonder if USC was able to persuade him to go to USC, is he really committing to USC for the right reasons? Because if you're committing to Cal – and the, and the state of the program Cal is in, you kind of wonder how does that fit in with where USC is and where USC wants to go. I mean, they want guys who want to win, they want to compete, they want to challenge themselves against the best of the best. And I'm not saying, you know, Ellis McCarthy is not competitive and he doesn't want to be a good player, but I think it just, it just, it's just not a fit. It's just not a fit. If you come in to Cal at this point in time, which the way Cal set up, I just don't think you're going to fit into what USC is doing right now. So at the end of the day, I know it's hard for SC fans to kind of uh, to, to come to grips with. Ellis McCarthy is a tremendous player. He is as talented as everybody thinks he is. He is as big as fast. Um, you know, people who get on the peristyle and start trying to criticize, you know, his physical attributes, that's nonsense. He is a very, very good player. But I think at USC, maybe he's not going to be as good as he could be because I just don't think he's going to fit in. Not for the reasons he turned around and came into Cal. So, um, at the end of the day, I guess that's just it. You know, it's not rapid fire, but hey, it's two questions in one. So, there you go. <laughs> Okay, definitely not rapid fire. Well, I, I want to let people know, too, we just put up uh, Scholarshipology, which was coined on the Peristyle by Dr. Who, so thanks to Dr. Who for that one. Um, we've been calling it USC Scholarship Math, and we put the story up, just a quick story and updated scholarship charts so you can kind of see where these recruits could fit in. Uh, as of now, Gerard, only four scholarship wide receivers, only four scholarship running backs. So before people thought, oh, it's going to be hard to bring in a running back, that could change a few things now that there's only four guys on each for each uh, position group. Yeah, definitely, and, and, and that's really the position I think 
probably USC kind of didn't see coming as being an issue um, this immediate. You know, I don't think they realize now they need running backs. Um, <laughs> and, and it's a position where you can kind of go by uh, – by by uh, what's what's the what's the saying is uh, running back by committee and I think they used that committee this past season and I don't see anybody just jumping off uh, the depth chart as being the guy who's going to get you know twenty to thirty carries a game next year so I think again you're looking at it as a committee of running backs that you need to have so really that depth chart becomes more important receiver position you have guys that are a, a little more solid and mainstays that are going to get all the reps, Robert Woods, uh, Marquise Lee. It's a good year for receivers out there to recruit. They can bring some guys in. Um, like I said, yes, I mean, there's, you know, I think Kyle, uh, Kyle uh, Prater, tremendous talent, a guy that you wish could just kind of develop at USC and kind of see how he ends up playing. Um, but, you know, as we've seen right now, he hasn't been able to really crack that uh, rotation because I just think, um, you know, his disposition wasn't necessarily that of what Lane Kiffin and Ted Gilmore want. I mean, they want receivers who are going to go out there and be physical and be skilled at the same time. They want guys who go out there and run block. And I think as big as Kyle, uh, Kyle Prater was, that was one of his biggest issues, and I think that's why he didn't see the field a whole lot. And that's what you're going to see with all those receivers. They want guys who go out there and know how to play away from the ball as well as play with the ball. And so I think with the receiver position, there's always more talent to be had out there. It's easier to find guys, to put guys out there, and you've got really a solid you know, top two there that you can depend on with a pro-style offense. I mean, this is not an offense that's going to run five receivers out there all the time. You're going to use your two tight ends, and so you've got two receivers there. You're pretty good to go. But the running back position, I think that's definitely where it becomes a little more dicey, trying to get a little more depth where you can use a guy that can, uh, that can come in and give you some reps here and there. Because we saw Amir Carlisle got reps as a true freshman last year. You know, we're going to see more of George Farmer, obviously, last, uh, than last year. He's the guy that I think USC would love to be the guy, you know, because he has that physical ability to be a game breaker. But that's, that's putting a lot of eggs in that basket. You know, I think they want to. I think they're definitely people, you know, are already asking, well, you've seen some receivers transfer. Maybe this opens up a spot for George Farmer to move back to receiver. Everybody wants to move him back to receiver because he was a five-star receiver in high school because that's where they saw all of his highlights. But USC, I think, is all in with him becoming a running back. The question is, is he able to become that running back that they think he could be next year? You know, I don't know if he's going to make that transformation that quickly. We'll see. But if they move him out of uh, running back at this point, there'd only be three scholarship running backs. So I uh, don't think that's happening. We'll see. There's four and four right now. Uh, let's go. The good thing about that situation, let me just add this, is that as a running back, he can play all of those positions uh, on the offense that he can play as a receiver. But as a receiver, you're not going to move him as a running back. So basically, yeah. you, you know, out of the backfield, you can have him playing in the slot. He can play the Y. He can play the Z. He can play the X. He can play all those types of positions as a, re, as a running back, moving him by formation into the, you know, out, out there on the edge playing wide out somehow. You're not really going to end up putting one of those guys as a receiver into the offensive backfield and running the ball with him. So I think, you know, him being a running back, um, it's going to tap into his versatility a little more. And, again, it kind of – you're kind of overlapping a little bit between those two positions. So you kind of have, you know, a half a receiver and a half a running back with him playing running back full-time. Okay. Well, let's get – we do have a couple pages worth of questions here. I'd like to get to them all if we can. And so let's try to do rapid fire. Do I have to pull out the uh, egg timer, Gerard, or are we going to be good? Let's do it. I just – you know, hopefully they're not as uh, – um, you know, down and, and uh, you know, really depressing is uh, the first two questions. No, no, got. I think there's some, there's, they're kind of all over the map. We've got lots of uh, recruiting questions. So the, the Trojan Blast has definitely been a success. People are, uh, are are getting into it. So we're got we're glad about that. We'll keep doing it for the foreseeable future. Uh, first up, Steven San Diego, wondering how badly the injury was to Jordan Simmons. Uh, main question, it affect his ability to play this fall, or was it superficial? It seems to be uh, more on the superficial side. Uh, there, the doctor said that um, you know it looked like it was just a sprain, MCL, and maybe a meniscus tear. He ended up not having his MRI after uh, I heard that he was actually getting his MRI. So he never actually got his MRI there. He's going to have his MRI today. Uh, we'll hear finally, you know, what the verdict is. But at this point, it doesn't seem to be uh, anything to do with his ACL, and that's the most important and the most uh, devastating injury that you can have.
have with a knee. So uh, at this point, it looks like it's 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 okay. And he walked around for a lot of the week basically on his own. Didn't seem to be uh, hampered too much. Okay. Um, let's see. We had Ron had a question. It's more doom and gloom. I think we already addressed that in the first one. So. Sorry about that, Ron. But it's just about uh, USC not securing commitments at the high school bowl games. But I think Gerard addressed that. Uh, Bill in Orange County had McCarthy questions, and and Kurt kind of had the same things. It, but they both mentioned uh, Aziz Shitu, and um, Kurt even said there's talk about McCarthy, Shitu, and Armstead maybe considering the same school like Cal. Uh, what do you think is going on there? And is, is Shitu kind of a, a likely replacement for McCarthy if he's not able to come? I say this. I think that uh, there is more likelihood of Andres Pete, Kyle Murphy, and Zach Banner ending up at the same school than Chitu, Armstead, and Alice McCarthy. I, I think that those three defensive linemen definitely want to kind of be the man, and I don't think they all want to go against each other, especially at Cal, where you've got a 3-4. You've only got three defensive linemen. You're not playing all those guys at the same position. So I think Chitu actually was – pretty heady about what was going on down there in San Antonio and all this talk of package deals and everybody playing together. You know, he told me flat out, you know, all these guys are talking about that and it's all fine and dandy right now, but you know, when guys start pulling the trigger and things start really happening, then we'll see who all wants to play together. And then he's waiting until signing day. So he's kind of sitting back. He's letting Ellis go to, you know, Cal. Um, I think the feel is that shit you probably still ends up at Stanford. USC's going to get a shot at him. He's going to come in January 20th. We'll see you know how that works out you know in terms of performance over the week uh z shit you actually um had a better week of practice than uh, ellis mccarthy uh especially as a defensive end um and, and really the guy that was probably the most dominant across the board all week was uh andre pipkins who's a 6'3 335 pound defensive tackle from kansas city who's committed to michigan there's some talk maybe he's interested in visiting usc too so really um you know we'll see how it all shakes out with those guys but my vibe is that Armstead, Shitu, and, and McCarthy are not going to end up at the same school. Okay. Uh, thanks for that one, Kurt and uh, Bill in Orange County. Steve in San Diego had a little bit. I'll, I'll read it here and maybe get your comments, Gerard. He said, with uh, all the All-American announcements, he realizes this large class does two things. One, it addresses the needs of the program that USC is likely going to do this year. And then two it allows you to take players that may have otherwise signed with other programs. He said, here's my point. Even if recruiting limits do not affect USC's ability to recruit a high quality class that addresses need, I have no doubt now that the bigger effect will actually be point two, where USC will lose the battle by losing players to other programs that they normally could have signed. And some, even if they get a great recruiting class, we still let 10 players a year go to other teams are likely face in the coming years. It's a huge penalty I still wish the USC, USC administration would fight, but I know that's not happening. Keep up the good work and fight on, uh, Stephen San Diego. What do you think about his points there, that the scholarship limitations, even though USC's roster might be good, it, it could hurt them by allowing the opponents to get better? It could. It might not. I mean, you, you want rapid fire? <laughs> I mean, what <laughs> that's do you want to say? Sure. I mean, yeah, maybe. It just depends on where they go and – and how those kids fit in at those programs and what kind of coaching they get. I mean, we've seen some Pac-10 schools uh, get a lot of recruits. I mean, look at uh, Arizona State. You know, they've got a great defense over there talent-wise with, uh, you know, half the Centennial football team from, um, you know, 2008-2009, but they didn't get it done. I mean, they beat USC, and that was kind of their game. I mean, at the end of the season, they folded. You've seen UCLA get a lot of guys. They beat out for USC when Pete Carroll went to the NFL. You know, guys like Dietrich Riley, guys like Jordan Zumwalt, uh, Cassius Mars. Those guys aren't doing anything at UCLA right now. So, I mean, you can lose guys to other programs. It really, and this is, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record again, but it's player development. And that's what coaching is really about. Recruiting is great. You want to be able to bring in the talent, but you're going to miss on some guys. What you have to do is find the guys that you can develop into guys that can contribute. Uh, just, you know, at a contributing level that you don't have anybody who's really dead weight in your program. And I think with this staff, They've been able to show that they've been able to get the most out of most of their players, and that's really important. So you're going to miss on some guys, and, and, and some guys are going to take off and go to other programs, um, and, and whether it's you know by selection or, or just by the fact that a guy like Elsa McCarthy just decides, I want to go to Cal over USC, 
you're going to miss on some guys, but at the end of the day, it really depends more on what the coaching is at, at, at those universities. Okay, thanks for that one, Steve. Uh, Pops had a couple questions. We get this a bunch, and I'm not sure why, but uh, Santa Margarita quarterback Johnny Stanton, people want to know if USC is looking at him. You think he's a Division One player? Um, I, I mean, I, if he came to USC, I think it would be in a walk-on capacity, and he could be kind of the guy that could contribute in special teams and do some other stuff. But do you think he actually will get uh, looks at Division One? What do you think about him? Definitely a Division One player. Um, we'll get a look at USC, but I think with the scholarship limitations, he is a guy that you know they may talk to him about preferred walk-ons and 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 things like that. It's really early in the process. You know, he has some development to go, and I, I hate to pigeonhole a player and say, well, he's not good enough uh, to be at USC uh, as a as a as a full scholarship guy. Um, I think we have to see more of him before we really make that assertion. But at the same time, um, he's a guy that you know. We got to watch him in camps just to project where he really plays better. Uh, he played well, you know, quarterback throughout the playoffs and, and kind of that stretch into the championship game. Um, he definitely looked like he could play quarterback at the Division One level, but he's also a, an athletic kid with a big body and you know maybe a guy that could fill that that kind of that halfback role um, in, in an offense like USC. So um, you know, I, I I don't know if he's. He, going to be the first guy that USC looks at as a quarterback. I mean, they're going to have to look at a few different guys and, you know, Hayden Reddick is still out there and they got to kind of look at him and see, you know, how he progresses from his ACL. Um, there's going to be some evaluation that goes on, but I think he's definitely a guy that they're going to look at, they're going to recruit and, um, and, and talk to throughout the process and kind of figure out, you know, kind of where his best position is and if that best uh, is uh, good enough to be at USC on a scholarship. Yeah, we've seen guys like Garrett Green come in and, and do a lot of different things. So, I mean, it could be it could be someone along that line. Who knows? Uh, and you know, maybe hits the starting quarterback someday. Who knows? You can't you can't rule anything out. So we'll see. Um, one other thing he wanted to know about the uh, the dead period and questions during the All Star games, like could coaches be present talking to players and stuff in the All Star game? What are the the rules there regarding coaches and these All Star games? Uh, the rules are they can't really talk. They can't talk to the kids during the week. Um, the coaches come in after the game is over, basically, and uh, it's you know kind of a like a indoor swap meet, basically, of coaches uh, there in the lobby of the hotel, and you have you know kids and their families talking to the coaches, and the coaches uh, they all get little rooms there set up in the hotel, and uh, and bring them up to the room, and the room is not really. Uh, anything special, you know, there's some, some chairs there and there's usually a TV there and they can't give them food. They can't give them drinks. So it's not necessarily like a party atmosphere, but I, I actually accidentally ended up going down to one of the floors where Notre Dame and Cal were set up and, you know, they, they kind of had signs out there, Cal bears go here, you know, Notre Dame go here and the kids, you know, walk down there and, and meet with the coaches and have kind of an in-home visit, if you will, with uh, the assistant coaches. So um, it's, it's a, uh, you know, the rules are just basically during the week, it's a competition week, so there's not much contact with the recruits themselves. But once that game is over, uh, it's um, free-for-all, basically, of, you know, who they could talk to, shake hands, and try to set up some things. And USC made a lot of contacts uh, down there Saturday night um, at the Army All-American game. And, um, you know, last year we saw what that meant, you know, the results of that with uh, guys like Anthony Sorrow and Lamar Dawson. And this was, you know, back when um, – you know, they couldn't play in a bowl game this year, and, and they got some really good recruits, and they closed on some guys. And that's why I'm very kind of cynical, and, you know, this podcast has been a little bit like, really, guys, really? Are we already jumping off ship here with uh, <laughs> some of these questions and, and people being depressed about how recruiting is going? I mean, first of all, USC's got a really good class as it stands right now, and the guys that they're still in it for are, are tremendous. So you got to have a little bit of faith in, in, um, in, the, in the coaches and, and their ability to close. And uh, I think those questions really have to be reserved until after signing day. I mean, if USC misses on, you know, Kyle Murphy and Andres Pete, and and they don't, you know, find a guy that can replace up McCarthy, and they, you know, you start swinging and missing all over the place, then you kind of go, okay, well, yeah, there's some issues here, and they're going to have to uh, find a way to to address them personnel-wise with who's on the roster already. Um, you know, we saw that with the line.
linebacker position when they missed out on Manti Teo and Vontis Burfick. But that was literally a signing day thing at the last minute where they missed out on Manti Teo, and, and nobody really saw that coming. So I think you have to wait until that point. You know, you kind of have to wait and say, all right, you know, they're in it until they're not, and that not is signing day. So after then, then you kind of go, okay, all right, you know, let's kind of see what they actually have signed and what this class looks like and, and how it um, how it translates uh, and, and, and mixes with the guys that they already have on the roster, the guys that, uh, you know, are, are there that are not transferring and, and are, are solid with the football team. And just people have to realize this is like the worst sanctions anyone's had to deal with and actually be actively recruiting and still being a top program. I mean, the team finished number six in the country by the AP poll, 10 and two has all these sanctions hanging over the head. Still now 10 scholarships down. No one's ever done that. And it kept going. They're still going to bring in a, a big class, but it's, it's pretty amazing what they're able to do. So don't, I don't want to see all the doom and gloom out there that people are doing. I mean, he's Lane Kiffin's doing this under, Quite, it's like one hand tied behind his back, and they're still going to bring in the class. There'll still be a surprise or two at the end, just like last year with you know, Lamar Dawson and Andre Walker, stuff like that. Um, Chuck Smith in Newport Beach, Gerard, he wants to know, uh, there's been much written about UCLA's football failures, including the notion their admission requirements are too stringent, which to me is a red herring. How do you, this is what Chuck's saying, how do USC's admission requirements compare to UCLA's, Cal's, and Stanford's? That's from Chuck. I really don't know because I really don't know what Cal and UCLA's admission standards are like. Uh, you hear that now and again, and I, I know, and I think I answered this question just a couple weeks ago. I, I know that there's some differences in electives. Um, you know, with with UCLA's, like you have to take an extra art elective um, in order to get in there. That that sometimes kids slip up on. And Cal's kind of interesting because Cal does have some special ed programs there that they kids are allowed to slip in, you know, a lot of JUCO guys that they were able to get in over the years that USC could not because of that special ed program that they were able to bring in. So there are some differences, but I couldn't sit here and get in detail and give you facts on what exact classes they have to take and, you know, how a a GPA differs from one school to the other, uh, you know, with the core GPA classes, because really that's what it's about. It's about your core GPA and what classes make up that core GPA. So because the core GPA for UCLA may be a little different than it is for USC, which may be a little different than it is in Cal. Again, like I said, I know that art class was something that came up with a couple kids before, and it's just another elective that you have to take that counts as your core, whereas with USC, it's just another elective. It doesn't actually count as a core class. So um, that kind of complicated stuff, is it, is it a big deal? Is there this big deal between the kids that USC can bring in and UCLA? No. Okay, this is not Stanford. Stanford is definitely a tier above um, in terms of the, re- the the admission requirements. Cal, UCLA, good schools just like USC is, and I think if there's any difference, it's marginal. So that being an excuse for UCLA being poor this past decade in football, no, it's coaching. <laughs> I agree it's with Rick you. It's Rick It's Carl Durrell. It's the culture at UCLA. It's the whole lot of things that are going on at UCLA, and we'll see if Jim Moore is going to be able to turn it around. I mean, he's you know, slicing and dicing um, the the roster, and uh, you know, you know, kind of uh, cutting some fat off of the roster, which you always kind of see with the new coaching staff. You know, with Lane Kiffin, you really didn't have an opportunity to do that because the NCAA did that by right. letting everybody transfer. <laughs> um, but with UCLA, you know, they're they're going to force some guys out and try to change the the mentality of the program. But uh, you know, the thing is, I don't know if he's going to be able to force out some of the administrators because I think it goes farther up with UCLA and the UC system when it comes to football and whether they take it seriously or not. Okay, here's a Hugh in Simi Valley, and he longs for the times of tailback U, and he wants to know, is USC going after a top five-star tailback? Why aren't running backs literally lining up to play at USC? He's still not over Benedict DeAnthony. He has yet to hear the real story of the calamity, and Gerard already mentioned that. I don't think anyone knows the real story there. But you know, we mentioned Gerard four. Only four scholarship guys. Are there some new names out there at tailback that USC might be going after? Not at present date. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to make some moves. I mean, this coaching staff is relentless as far as recruiting. But in terms of the top guys, it wasn't a great year for running backs uh, nationally. And the guys that were really good were, were more of the, you know, kind of the speed scat back types. I mean, this was a year more of the scat back than it was of the big running back. And I think if they're going to get a power back, it's probably going to have to be in 2013 unless they really just pull somebody out of the, the rough and, and, you know, 
think that they've got somebody that nobody really knew about. Um, are they going to be able to persuade some guy from out back east to be able to come in and all of a sudden recruit or and, and commit at the last minute? I don't see it happening. I, you know, some of the some of the guys that they're able to kind of um, cherry pick away at the end of last season, there was some coaching changes and there was some things going on with some of those programs that they were able to do that. And, and this year, does it really seem like any of that is going to be able to give them opportunities to recruit a big time running back? The one guy that they were after was uh, Briante Dunn, who's a six one, two hundred and ten pound running back from Canton, Ohio, and he re-upped with uh, with Ohio State. And that was kind of a guy at the last minute tried to bring in as an early enrollee, tried to get him in on the visit. And uh, Urban Meyer, you know, he shut it down and 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 locked him up for Ohio State. So that was the one guy that they were going to try to take advantage of a coaching change and, and bring him in, um, but that didn't happen. So, you know, at this point, like I said, unless it's somebody kind of out of left field, a, a Juco or, or somebody that we really don't know about, it's going to be really tough to bring in uh, a good high school running back. And as far as why, I, they really, again, like I said, it wasn't a fantastic year for running backs, first and foremost. And nationally, even going out there to you know a place like North Carolina to try to recruit a guy like Keith Marshall, you know five eleven, hundred ninety pound, uh, ten four, one hundred meter rusher, just really probably the best running back in the country. Um, you're going to go to North Carolina and get that guy, and you already have at that point you were you were you know you had Amir Carlisle who's a freshman. You had some some things working on the the the, the depth chart as far as running backs. You had some depth. It's just one of those things where now you know Amir leaves, and it kind of makes that impact a little more, and you start to question the depth chart a little more. You know, four running backs is not no running backs. You know, it's not two running backs, and it's not even three running backs. It's four running backs, and you know all those guys are serviceable. It's just a matter of you know. Are they going to be able to find that that combination to go with uh, Curtis McNeil? Because we know Curtis McNeil is not a big guy, so you know they they got to find another guy to be able to complement him. Is it going to be George Farmer? You know, or or are they going to have to use maybe the fullback a little more and and rush him? Um, a guy like Jimmy Little Pinner, or or maybe even Soma Vanuku. Okay, and he had one more question from Hugh, and I, we've addressed this a bunch of times. Is like, has there ever been any thought giving to academic or grant scholarships to students who can play football? first giving an athletic scholarship and uh Hugh just to to let you know I mean we talked to compliance about this you can't basically the general rule is if he's going to play football he has to be on a football scholarship there's no partial scholarships you can't play basketball and be on the football team uh I mean there's rules about years and stuff like that but essentially if you're going to bring in a player to play football and they're on scholarship it's got to be a football scholarship it's got to count towards your that 75 total now they can come in as a walk-on and be you know, have some kind of academic scholarship um, and you can do that. But there's like rules as far as years and stuff like um, they have, if they come into the program and, and for two years and they're not on scholarship and then they join the team, there's kind of like this complicated rule thing. But the, the general rule is if you're going to play football and you're going to be on scholarship, it's counting towards that 75 or nor- what normally is the 85 limit. Yes. Yes, that's what, nothing to add there, Gerard. Rapid fire. Rapid, yes. Okay. Uh, no, is it true? So yeah, there's no way around it. Um, they, you know, you can't, you can't do stuff like that. So there's, there's, there's a way around it. Lane Kiffin will yeah. figure it out. I mean, he's like I said, he's the guy that you want to be your head coach during all this stuff. And as far as keeping talent within the program and keeping the program uh, at a certain level, personnel-wise, he's the guy. He's smart. He's been a recruiting coordinator before. Um, he sees the angles, and, and he's kind of, they'll, they'll do as much as they can uh, to make sure they get every scholarship and every good player they can possibly get on the roster. So said it time and time again, people are not going to listen. Don't worry as far as that goes. With recruiting management and coordinating, uh, Lane Kiffin and Ed Ergeron, they're the best of the business. Yeah, we, we, we detailed that, I think, in the war room a few weeks ago, too. So there's all, kind of, all the details on there. Or in that, you can check it out. Uh, Avery wanted to know, he had a first doom and gloom kind of thing early that we, we addressed, but he also wanted to know, um, as far as early enrollees, uh, Wilson and Breslin, where are they going to fit into the equation for playing time? What, what do you think about those guys? Weak side defensive ends, both of them. Um, they're both going to compete for Nick Perry's job. Uh, you know, Devontae Wilson's got to come back from an ACL tear. So he's had surgery. He's still rehabbing. He's hoping that he's going to be able to participate in spring ball. I'm a little skeptical of that. We'll see what happens. Uh, and Breslin, Breslin's going to come in. He's early rolly. He's not on campus yet. 
Uh, we'll see, you know, how that all works out. It's, you know, these junior college players and getting on campus early. I, I, I say it every year and people don't listen and everybody gets all worked up about which guys early enrollee here and there. But when it comes to JUCOs, man, it just seems like it's always hard to get those guys in early. So we'll see what goes on. I know he's not on campus yet. Um, Neither is Gerald Bowman, who's uh, the other junior college player that they have. He's trying to get in. He's still taking winter session classes, and he has till uh, the 23rd, according to him, uh, to be able to get in early. So, uh, but the two defensive ends are both going to play that weak side uh, spot, and they're going to, you know, try to be able to, to kind of replace Nick Perry. Neither of them are, are Nick Perry's level of talent, um, but. Uh, you know, there are going to be some bodies in there that they're going to try to be able to, to bring in that uh, can, can give some pass rush. I mean, Breslin led California junior colleges in sacks and tackles for losses the last two years. Wasn't playing against the kind of competition he's going to play against on Saturdays, but um, definitely uh, some upside in that. Okay. Uh, let's go to SP Trader. He wanted to know, have the, do you think coaching priorities have changed after watching the uh, Army All-American Bowl this past weekend? Anyone move up or down, fallen a bit? What do you think? Has uh, kind of the, the board moved around? We, I guess we've got to see a 10 of Troy to figure that out. No, not really. I think that, um, you know, Shitu maybe has, has popped up the board a little more. You know, he's been a guy that's been inconsistent, but for the whole week he was pretty good, played well in the game. Um, so, you know, maybe he's a guy that moves up a little more because he didn't have a very good performance at the Rising Stars camp. And I think, you know, coming out of the summer, a lot of people kind of felt like maybe he was overrated. I mean, he was a guy that was a five-star to begin with and then kind of dropped to a four-star because uh, he just – kind of was good and then disappeared and was good and disappeared. And you can't be inconsistent and be a five-star level guy. So it was good to see him kind of rise to the challenge at uh, the Army All-American practices and, and play well the whole the whole practice. And there were some people that really, really loved the way he performed. Um, I think Zach Banner, you know, did himself pretty well at Army All-American practices as well and, and kind of reasserted himself as a guy that's a priority that USC needs to get. Um, they need to get Zach Banner and they need to get – Either or uh, Kyle Murphy um, and, uh, and and Andres Pete. It's got to be one of those guys that uh, they get in addition to Zach Banner because they really need offensive tackles. I mean, they've got some good interior guys on the roster right now, and they're adding to it Jordan Simmons and Max Turek, both very solid players, very very good players, guys that can push um, for some some contribution as freshmen or at least as redshirt freshmen in my mind. So you've got guys that can move in the center, move to guard, but you really need those big offensive tackles there, especially with Matt Khalil leaving. So I think that Zach Banner um, definitely did himself pretty well at the Army All-American game. Um, you know, like I said, a guy that kind of jumps up that wasn't even on the radar is a guy like Andre Pipkins wasn't being recruited by USC, but he's definitely going to be recruited by USC now. Um, he's, just a massive he's Vince Warfork is kind of what he reminds me of the old uh, defensive tackle for the uh, Miami Hurricanes who's uh, playing for the New England Patriots right now just a guy who's massive doesn't look like he really should be playing at that weight you know kind of got that gut and you're going yeah you need to lose weight dude come on man and, but then you watch him move and you realize man he's too good as is, you know, I mean, he doesn't really need to lose weight, and he can use that size to his advantage, and he did all week in the game. So, um, you know, that's a guy that kind of jumps on the radar, and I, I think, you know, USC had to like what they saw with Stephon Diggs. You know, whether he's a legitimate recruit for USC or not remains to be seen, but I know for me, I was a little skeptical of, you know, how much of a playmaker he really was, but when I got to see him in person, uh, he was really good. He was really he was better than any camps I saw him playing and better than even what I saw from on film. So he's a guy that's legitimately fast, legitimately has some shades of a Deshaun Jackson slash Percy Harvin, you know, not quite as big as Percy, um, but uh, I think, you know, has uh, some of those, you know, instincts that he can play in the offensive backfield a little bit and do some things. And we'll just see if he's able to go away from home. He, he definitely kind of seems like a guy that uh, that um, is making some excuses to maybe go to a school that's just closer to home uh, in Ohio State or he's got Maryland on his list and stuff like that. You start to go, eh, does he really, really want to go that far away? Um, so, yeah, there were some great players. I'm not going to go through the whole list of guys who stood out, uh, but I don't think there's – any tremendous shifts 
in um, you know priorities and, and USC, like I said, still needs offensive tackles. Um, USC uh, still looking for that other cornerback to really complement Kevon Seymour from what it looks like. Uh, and USC still needs uh, you know defensive tackles. They've got two guys that are graduating, and uh, that's not going to change whether it's McCarthy comes in or not. They're going to need somebody that comes in and is able to uh, to, to be part of that rotation. You really want to have. Four solid guys in that rotation at defensive tackle. And they've got Uko, they've got Jared Tavai, um, you know, they've got, uh, uh, who am I missing? There's one more player. That they, well, they've got Christian Hayward, I think, is going to be a good player for them. And yeah. They've got Antoine Woods. They're just young, but they need maybe another guy that can really make an impact and can make a push there uh, for playing time next year. So they have a solid rotation, and they keep what they had last year. Um, we had a question from Toronto. Uh he said he loved Leonard Williams, the defensive tackle from Florida, and he felt that he was better than McCarthy. Did you look at him at all? I like Leonard Williams a whole lot, and it's a guy that could definitely put on weight and can definitely end up being uh, a strong side uh, defensive end that can move in, maybe be a three technique. He's a really good player. Another guy that's going to probably visit USC January 20th. Um, there's some talk about January 25th, but that would be a midweek visit, which is a little odd. Um, but uh, he's got some connections to Southern California. There's some angle there that USC has. He was a guy that came out during the summer for the Rising Stars camp. And USC's looking really good right now for that trio of Florida guys that came out for the Rising Stars camp. And again, it reinforces just being able to get these kids out there and get them around the coaches. I think the most valuable recruiting tool USC has had, whether it was Pete Carroll or Lane Kiffin, is the coaches themselves. And I think, um, you know, he was a guy that came out, uh, Nelson Aguilar was a guy that came out, the Tampa uh, five-star receiver, um, and also Tariq McCord, who committed to Miami at the All-Star game this weekend, but is still going to visit USC January 20th. So we're going to see a very large, very uh, interesting Florida contingent coming out to officially visit USC January 20th. So we'll see how that shakes out. I, I got a feeling, you know, there might be still some good news for USC. I hate to, you know, disrupt the bar humbug, uh, you know, the sky is falling chicken little guys out there. I might be ruining the day, <laughs> but I think they're okay. I think USC is going to still be able to bring in a pretty solid class this year. Uh, we love the international questions uh, This from Toronto. He's, he ended it with A, which is cool. But he also said that he thought Max Turk was a beast in the Army game. But watching Zach Banner, he's noticed some flaws that he didn't have enough knee bend and tends to plan, uh, play straight up. Uh, he has a hop step in his pulling technique. Are these things that can be changed, or is he just too tall? And I actually talked to uh, one of the other coaches, and they felt that he was playing a little – he stood up a little too quickly – on some of his blocks and being a big guy, maybe that's it's kind of a hard tendency to fight. What did you think about that? I think he's okay. I think that um, he just needs just coaching, you know, and I think he's a guy that has been better and better every time I've seen him play. And uh, he plays a lot of basketball, and, and, and kind of when you're that big, I think early on you kind of are a basketball player, and, and he's starting to kind of come into his own playing football. And uh, I've seen the knee bend, and I've seen athletically a guy that, you know, looks like maybe a young Jonathan Ogden and, and I think talent wise, uh, there's a lot of people that are excited about him because he just really does have uh, that potential to be able to do those things. He's going to whiff on some plays and there's going to be some things that, you know, he doesn't do right and doesn't set himself up right. But I haven't seen anything physically that tells me he's too big or he's too tall. Um, he's, he's just, it's just a matter of him becoming comfortable in his own body. I mean, you got to remember, Hey, when you're 18 and you're, you know, just growing up and you're believing most of the guys that are listening to this uh, podcast right now are not six, nine. So, you know, you can imagine being that big 310 plus pounds and six, nine, and you're 18 years old, your coordination is not all there with you at that time, but he's never been a guy that's looked um, completely out of place playing uh, offensive tackle. And, and that was the first thing that I looked for when I saw him in person over the summer. I was like, you know, six, nine, you know, how tall is too tall to play football? And, um, I don't think he's, I don't think he's too tall. I think that, uh, He's just got a lot of talent and a lot of ability. Uh, it's just a matter of him being coached up. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll get that in college. All right, Gerard, we got a question from J.D. in D.C. He had a couple of players listed. One of them is McCarthy we already talked about. This one he's mentioned is Pigeons, P-I-D-G-E-N-S. I'm not sure who he's talking about, but he said this visit came out of nowhere. I know we pulled Walker out of Ohio last year, but he has always expressed interest in USC. Never out of it with that guy. Grabbing pigeons would expand uh, what this staff has done to a new level. 
Uh, that's JD in DC. Do you know who he's talking about? Pigeons? Um, is that like Tyrone Pigeons, the super secret commit from Louisiana <laughs> that nobody knows about, including myself? That that could be him. I'm not sure. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, think, I think he would mean Andre Pipkins, who's the guy that I've aforementioned, 6'3", 335-pound defensive tackle from Kansas City, who's committed to Michigan, who may visit USC here in the near future, but we haven't gotten confirmation on that yet. But uh, Pigeons... I don't know anything about pigeons other than they make a mess, uh, <laughs> you know, everywhere they go. But um, I don't know. Like I said, maybe the super-duper secret kaboom uh, ninja commit that nobody knows about that's really Reggie Bush's long-lost cousin, uh, that maybe that's the running back commit that everybody's looking for. That very well could be. J.D., you can write us back and let us know if that's who. Hopefully that's who you're talking about. But we we're not really sure. Um, and then did anything come from – this is from Jeff. One last one we'll get to. Did anything come from – uh, Ted Gilmore talking to Doriel Green Beckham at the Army All-American Bowl. Or was it just talk? It was just talk. I think they had a relationship uh, when Ted Gilmore was at Nebraska and recruiting him. Um, but from what I understand, DGB wants to stay closer to home. Uh, a lot of talk is he's going to end up at Arkansas, uh, but he's got you know Oklahoma, Alabama, and a few other schools in there. But uh, from listening to some of the talk and the stuff coming out of his camp, you know, he took an official visit to Texas and said that Texas was a little too far. So Texas is too far. California is way too far. All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. We really appreciate you coming on the show and talking all about I had to dodge the, I had to dodge the, scal- the you know, uh, falling sky and, yeah. and hurt, you know, hurdles with pigeons, poop is everywhere. Man, this was a very difficult podcast to be able to uh, get around. I, I'm a little worn out. It was. It was a difficult one. But, we, you know, we got through it. I think we're cool. And uh, we appreciate you coming on and talking USC football recruiting, it's always fun, and there's so much going on between now and signing day, so there'll definitely be more. Big weekend, January 13th, be there, be there. Yeah, so we'll we'll get on the other side of that. Um, You know, maybe some people will have a a different opinion about the way USC recruiting is going, or not. Right. (laughs) And just a preemptive strike, uh, people, if you want to send in questions, yeah, we definitely like kind of concise questions is good, and especially on the voicemail, something shorter, as opposed to like a minute and a half is better. But you can't ask us like on Saturday morning how the recruit the official visits are going since we're not allowed to talk to the players until it's over. So we can't <laughs> yeah. talk to them yet. So we can't really tell you how it's going until they get back from their trip and then we have a chance to to call the kids and stuff. So Saturday Friday morning, night, how's it going? Yeah, Saturday Who's morning we're not gonna be able to know what the visitors are doing. So don't ask us that early. Is that cool? Is that that fair, Gerard? That's that's fair. <laughs> All right. Well, Gerard, thanks again for uh, coming on the show, and thanks for everyone for tuning in to the recruiting Trojan Blast on uscfootball.com. We'll be back again next week talking more USC football with the Peristyle Podcast. Check it out. we got some new stuff coming, too, on the podcast. We have to uh, redo the intro and stuff, Gerard. So we've got a lot, a lot of work to do, but we'll make it, uh, we're going to change the podcast up a little bit, make it a little better, and I think everyone's going to enjoy it. So uh, thanks again, Gerard. Thanks for everyone for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.